And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a fantastic weekend. Uh, great show for you today. I was joined by my good friend Ian Hayworth. Always a great time talking to Ian. Uh, and we, we covered a lot. Had a lot to catch up on uh, over the long weekend. Uh, we talked about the Democrats uh, pretending to be arrested while protesting outside the Supreme Court. Um, we talked about this hero, uh, uh, citizen gun owner, Eli uh, Dickin in Indiana, who saved countless lives from a mass shooter and why the Democrats are very upset about that. Uh, we talked about Joe Biden's uh, potential executive action on climate change and then what that means electorally moving forward and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, before I get to Ian, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe. If you are an iTunes user, please take a couple seconds to leave us a five-star our rating and a good review would really appreciate that and if you like the show and want to get involved you can support us monthly over on patreon patreon.com slash the no gimmicks podcast all right without further ado the great ian hayworth all right guys we're here with my brother ian hayworth ian how you been man good morning brady i've been doing well how you been doing well i've been doing great I was up at the cabin in, in northern Michigan fishing since Friday, and I got back uh, yesterday evening. Um, see, I don't have much signal up there. It's in the middle of nowhere, so I'm I'm fairly out of the loop when I'm at the cabin. I'll occasionally check Twitter for a few seconds, but like I'm pretty pretty far out of the loop. Um, I get home, and Ian, the Democrats are pretending to get arrested so they can fundraise off of it. So like that's where like that's where the country has descended to when I was fishing over the weekend. Um, that, that's where we're at. AOC, Ilhan Arm, Omar, all the squad ladies, um, a who's who of ridiculous, you know, tyrannical communists pretending that they aren't agents of the regime. Right. They, they were, and they went so far, they were pretending to be handcuffed while grinning like morons. Um, I, the Democrats, man, they're not sending their best. They are definitely not sending their best. I mean, the, the handcuff thing alone. Like, even without any context, without even understanding who AOC or Ilhan Omar or any of these people are, to pretend that you're handcuffed, like, what's what's the play there? Is it that she, she's not being protected by the right people? Is it that she's being victimized? She raised, like, the black power fist about three <laughs> seconds into that video. It's like, these are the weakest handcuffs I've ever seen. Like, I'm, I think everyone's a bit stressed about being arrested, but if that's the height of it, that you can just <laughs> wrestle free and walk off, then I, I think everyone should be down on board. They're just... Saying they're clowns would be a disservice to clowns. Yeah. I mean, like, does the Democrat base, do they still buy this stuff? Like, do AOC fans, do they buy it? I mean, like, the Democrats are religiously pro-cop now. Like, after January 6th, you know what I mean? Like, they switch, now Republicans are anti-cop. I mean, these people are, like, explicitly pro-FBI. Like, they love federal agents. They're their favorite people. Right? Like, they are the regime. Like, every day these people beg cops to oppress their political opponents. Like, they beg big tech to censor. They beg the FBI to kidnap people for no reason. Like, these people are just goons of the state. 
like the the Civil Disobedience Act is hilarious. It's like it's like Rage Against the Machine, right? It's like do they think there's no way they actually think they're raging against the machine? Like they are the machine, they are the regime. So it's like I the the, the entire federal government, the cops, the press, the culture, they're all on AOC's side. You know, like it's there's no way the Democrat base is this dumb. Like there's no way they're buying this. Even the most ridiculous delusional Democrat. I think they're stuck in the 60s where they were the revolutionaries and they were standing up to the right who had control of everything, in their mind at least. But they've been in control of American life for decades at this point. They control every institution. They quite literally control the government right now. AOC is one of the most famous people in the country, and yet they're still pretending to be the revolutionaries. (laughs) You can't be revolting against people who aren't in power. It just doesn't make any sense. You're revolting against yourself. I mean, it's like you are the state right now <laughs> and i would argue you always have been you know it is it is bananas and to, just a side note man like the one thing that that i certainly agree with the aocs of the world is on is on like criminal justice reform stuff like ending the war on drugs like they they essentially agree with libertarians on stuff like that you know they that nobody should be in prison for you know weed or, or whatever some kind of drug addiction like i agree with them on that like do they realize how offensive <laughs> Like, like, come on, man. Like, there are people, like, there are literally, like, black men who have been sitting in jail for 20 years for, like, selling weed. You know what I mean? And then, like, AOC, like, there's, there, it's this, like, performance art, you know what I mean, of, like, pretending to be arrested and stuff like that with their <laughs> invisible, very stretchy handcuffs, you know? It's like they're exercise, <laughs> like, handcuffs that, that double as, as uh, exercise bands or something like that. I mean, it's like, dude, a lot of these people who, like, the AOCs of the world claim to represent who are like literally in jail for like nonviolent crimes and stuff like that. It's like, this is kind of like, not to, not to like, you know, attack the left from the left, but like, isn't that kind of offensive too? Like it's, 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 it's all ridiculous. It's bonkers. Well, because everything to them is a safe theater, even issues like being arrested or say mob violence. It's all theoretical theater and they like to play games, but in the rare cases where these things become real, they just re- sort of recede into just utter terror. So people like AOC and most Democrats speak with really revolutionary, violent words all the time. Stand up and fight. We won't take it. Rise up. Week after week after week, they're using this kind of language. Maxine Waters is a classic example of telling people to push back against people physically. But then in the rare cases where violence does break out, for example, January 6th, you've got someone like AOC. If you're a revolutionary, you think you'd be at least accepting of this reality that people become violent when they are pushed to a certain extent or they feel like they've been pushed to a certain extent or you'd but welcome then, it or you'd welcome yeah it. she's all she's all then criticizing cops who didn't protect her she's doing that the other day when some idiot was making comments about her ass and so she was saying like what are the cops doing why aren't they protecting me <laughs> but yeah. she's quite uh, she's quite willing for people in in the city areas to have their stores burned down because then it's theoretical with them, everything that's theoretical is just fun. They're just cosplaying being arrested. But the moment it becomes real, just watch the tears start to fall. I mean, the, the fact that none of these people realize that they are just puppets of the most powerful federal government in the history of the world is is crazy. I mean, like, it's it's so laughable. It's like leftists doing this are a lot like the right-wingers, like the, the ridiculous right-wingers who will have, like, the Gadsden flag and like the thin blue line flag on their trucks. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, bro, like, what do you, like, what's your end game here? <laughs> like, what do you, what do you, <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Like, you're kind of talking out of both sides of your mouth. And that's how these leftists are. But like, I, 
like I'm gonna try to pick my words somewhat carefully here, but like I know some trans people. I have like friends who are, are transgendered, and I have nothing but love for them. I pray for them. These people are suffering, no doubt. I but like they they live their lives just repeating regime talking points. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like the, the the state, like the Democrats don't care about you, man. Like you're just you're. They they think they're a part of some counterculture by being trans, but they're they're just you're. It's like bro, you're you're an FBI agent wearing a dress. Okay, you're 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 a fed in lipstick. Like your your talking points and your goals are indistinguishable from like the cops, the deep state, the DNC, the FBI, the military. You know, it's like you said, like if with the head of the FBI, the head of the Federal Reserve, the president of the United States, CNN, and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff all sound exactly like you, like bro, maybe you're not the revolutionary you think you yeah. are. My goodness. Well, it's also built on just the completely flawed premise that politicians give a shit about anyone but themselves like everyone likes to think their politicians are caring and the other side aren't politicians get into politics a few of them get in for the right reasons but the vast majority get in because they're narcissists who love power and once they're in power they want to keep power tends to be very financially beneficial for them just look at how many people in congress are millionaires after making under two hundred thousand dollars a year for their entire life and they're worth hundreds of millions of dollars like there's a few question marks there they don't care about people they care about keeping people as victims so that they can promise them solutions and get voted in every single time. This happens on the left. It happens on the right. And ultimately, we're the idiots because we fall for it. Oh, I'll tell you who's never going to be a victim. That would be our boy, uh, old Eli Dickin over in Indiana, uh, the 22-year-old kid who shot and killed a mass shooter. Um, apparently, he only needed, this only came out last night. He only needed 15 seconds to neutralize the shooter. Uh, I mean, great shot, this kid. I mean, <laughs> call him Cool Hand Luke or something. The Waco kid down here. Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully this kid uh, never has to buy a beer the rest of his life. Um, a, a couple things. First and foremost, the entire country watched 400 cops in Uvalde let a, a single school shooter slaughter children for an hour as they sat around and did nothing. Uh, juxtapose that with, uh, with, with one armed citizen in Indiana. Just... It really shows that speed is of the essence as well. I know everyone's talking about the gun or whether or not civilians should have guns. All of this is about speed. That's why so many police departments have changed their policies regarding these kind of shootings. Of just the faster people can get in, the better, because it's a matter of seconds. When you have someone who is on the on the ground, like an armed citizen, because most places don't have armed police or armed security, that is the quickest, most effective way to end an inevitable violence that exists in human beings. Like people think this is a uniquely American problem. There have been shootings in Europe in recent weeks and Europe has perhaps the strictest gun control laws in the entire world. Yeah. Then you've got people who have random knife attacks. Like I remember a couple of years ago on a bridge in London, this random guy was released from a mental institution and started trying to stab people. And you had random citizens because the police in England are are mostly awful and non-existent. I think one guy had to beat him down with a fire extinguisher. Like the reality is that people on the ground are the first line of defense and Democrats do not, do not want the first line of defense to actually be able to fight back. Yeah. I mean, Democrats are upset about this. And, you know, I, I will say most of like the Democratic politicians are smart enough to keep their stupid mouths shut, <laughs> at least so far. Uh, but, you know, if you look at the punditry class, uh, if you go through Democratic Twitter, I mean, they're very upset that this young mm-hmm. man saved lives. I mean, they'd have preferred, at least from what I can gather, I'm, I'm just literally reading what these people are saying and surmising that they were, they would prefer that he was not carrying a gun and the shooter was able to slaughter more innocent women and children. At least that's what it sounds like to me. So, I mean, Democrats across the Internet are calling this kid a criminal. 
Um, I mean, it, it's really, I mean, like, okay, so you're just saying, yeah, I want more dead people because guns are icky. I'm like, yikes, man. I mean, like that, what a, what a wicked, what a truly evil worldview. Well, it's also completely upside down because they're, their goal is to get rid of guns. Their goal is not to get rid of guns in the hands of people who want to use them for the wrong reasons. So if you are someone who wants to get rid of guns in the wrong hands, which I think should be the goal of most people, then it's great that someone who responsibly used a gun to stop this was able to do so. But if you're someone who wants to get rid of guns, then there's really no distinction between the reason they are used. There's no distinction between sounds between someone who wants to use it in a mass shooting or someone who just happens to own the same gun that was used, for example. There is no distinction. But this is the really sort of sharp, sticky end of that flawed argument, because when you have someone who stands up and defends other people against this kind of violence, there is no moral argument against that person. There just isn't one. So they just they really show their full colors, I think, in these kind of situations, because they don't care about ending violence, which is why they don't care about violence in cities. They just care about getting guns out of as many people's hands as possible. Yeah, the GOP should commission a poll and just ask Americans in swing states uh, how many uh, how many of you believe that this kid should have been able to carry a gun. I'm sure, I'm sure it's a ninety-five-five mm-hmm. five issue. I mean, I doubt I doubt that's the winner that the Democrats think it is. Uh, but it, here, the thing is, constitutional carry um, went into effect in Indiana twenty days before the shooting. Um, before that, Eli Dickin would not, and he would have been breaking the law. Um, uh-huh. by protecting his community 20 days previous. Um, or more than likely, he wouldn't have been carrying a gun at all, and many more people would have been murdered. I mean, when, when state legislators uh, pass constitu- con- constitutional carry and governors sign into the law, they're saving countless lives. I mean, it's yes. not just good policy. It's not just, I'm not, I don't just advocate it for it because I'm a libertarian. You know, it doesn't just, it's not good politics. It doesn't just fire up the GOP base. It's the morally just thing to do. It stops wicked men from killing innocent women and children. And, I, you know, we, I talk about a lot of doom and gloom on this pod, podcast, but uh, Indiana is the, the most recent state to enact constitutional carry. They're, they're state number 25. Okay, Half mm-hmm. the country has constitutional carry now. And obviously we need that number to keep growing um, because it is literally, quite literally, a matter of life and death. Well, what's so amazing is that I think you tweeted about this. The way people at the New York Times approach this is, they downplay the role of an armed populace against this kind of violence. They say, oh, well, most mass shootings occur where there isn't a, a good guy with a gun to stop it. It's like, yes, because you're, it's pre-selected that yeah. people will target non-defended places and people. And so, of course, most situations where mass shootings occur, there isn't a good guy with a gun to stop it is because they occur in gun-free zones. They occur in states that have much stricter gun control. Or they just occur in places where they know they're less likely to get um, harmed or it's more under the shooter's control. It's very just bizarre to me the way the media downplay the context of that in that it's like focusing on houses that get broken into. It's like, oh, yeah, the house with no front door gets <laughs> gets broken into, but the house with the doors don't. It's like, well, obviously, because people are going to choose the places that are less defended. Yeah, the New York Times, I mean, I'm never surprised by the ignorance of the corporate press, but it's like... That that piece from I think that was this morning from the New York Times. He was talking about how oh only twenty two of the last mm-hmm. whatever a couple hundred mass shootings were stopped by a good guy with a gun. It's like man, to publish something in the New York Times, it goes through several level levels of editing. I, I mean the fact that none of these people these people are so far in their bubble that they don't understand that they're proving our point. 
I mean, it's like, I, I, I'm just surprised that there isn't anybody. Like, nobody at the Times was like, hey, maybe we shouldn't run this. Like, we're making the GOP's point. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, yeah, man, no kidding. Like, if you're going to shoot innocent people, you're going to pick a gun-free zone. Like, it's it, that's why mo- most of these shootings are in schools or in malls or in places like California and New York where people are defenseless all the time just about wherever you are. But, yeah, I mean, it, it is just like it was it was kind of funny this morning that it's like, man, I can't believe like out of anybody that everyone read that piece, you know, from the, the writer up to the editor in chief of The New York Times. None of them figured out what point they were actually making in reality. It's just again, they can't see past the idea that guns are bad. They also can't see past the, the sort of the reality of the world we live in, that guns are a reality. Like you and I are obviously very pro-gun. We're very pro-Second Amendment for the actual reasons the Second Amendment existed. But right. even let's let's put that aside for a second and say we were completely ambivalent. We just want to stop gun violence. Banning guns will not change the fact that there are hundreds of millions of guns in the United States. And if you are someone who wants to kill people, you will be able to get your hands on a gun. That's just a reality. And it's an unavoidable reality. And so then we need to be thinking about ways to solve this problem, taking that into account. The left are still stuck in the in the world where they think they can press a button somewhere that will evaporate these guns. That world will never exist in the United States. What are we going to do? Go door to door collecting the hundreds of millions of guns. It's just an impossible problem to solve. So even if you're anti-gun, you need to be focusing on ways we can actually solve this rather than just taking guns away from people. But that's all they have because they don't want guns. They don't care about whose hands the guns are in. They just don't want guns. And they're so married to their ideology that it's just no, I mean, mountains and mountains of evidence thrown right in their face won't dissuade them. I mean, it is amazing. I mean, this is literally just shoots holes in their entire gun control narrative. And they just don't care. I mean, they, they do not care. I mean, they will not stop until we're defenseless uh, against the whims of the Democratic Party and the state. Um, yeah, man, it's incredible. It's incredible. I mean, that, that New York Times piece was just really bonkers to read. It's like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe that one got through. Um, yeah. Before I, before I let you go, we have to mention uh, this afternoon, apparently, um, Joe Biden is going to announce some sort of executive action on climate change. Um, obviously, I mean, these these petty little tyrants, Ian, I mean, they just I, I, I assume they're doing this. Look, we have a pretty solid Supreme Court right now. I, I assume these if he issues a bunch of unconstitutional executive orders, they'll be shot down. They'll be struck down in relatively short order. But I think it's just flailing. I mean, like they try to blame Putin for destroying the American economy. That didn't work. Uh, they thought rallying support behind Ukraine would would rally support behind Joe Biden, as if you know, promoting another foreign war after 21 years of foreign wars is going <laughs> to rally the troops. You know, like that's I, I don't know how that one was going to work. Um, obviously, inflation's at 40 year highs. Everybody's poor again. Um, they they tried the the trans movement. Nobody really wants to trans their kids. They tried the critical race theory. Nobody really wants to tell all white children that they're racist. Yeah, you know, it's like I don't. I think they see the polls, and they they need to rally their base, so they're going to play on their base's climate fears. Um, they, there's just no way. They, like it, Roe v. Wade didn't move the needle. This is not going to move the needle. I, I think it's all political, and it's just not going to work. I mean, they're they're doing a horrible job. Nobody's going to buy it. Nobody's going to buy the in five years we're all going to be dead from global warming. It's just it's it's not. I, I can't imagine this moving the needle in their direction at all. No, I don't think so. It's also just very strange the way progressives, I hate that term, but that's how they view themselves. They always go bigger when they fail. 
so if say something doesn't go through they don't think huh maybe we pushed it too far let's dial it back and find a way we can actually get people on our side it's oh we didn't try hard enough we're not dedicated enough we need to double down go twice as hard and that's really what climate change is it's like a metaphor for the entire progressive movement of we want to rebuild the entire civilization from the ground up based on this magical non-existent energy source we want to use if that means that poor people have to go walk to work just in their tattered old shoes because they can't afford the electric car we think they should have or that's just the price we need to pay of course all the elitists will continue to fly all over the world joe biden will drive around his dozens of suvs that he has everywhere he goes i think prince harry flying to the united (laughs) nations to tell people about climate change i think is the funniest thing in the world because really it's about it's about class and it's about elitism nothing of this is about the environment because at this point the environment is largely out of the control of people in congress when you have countries like china and india polluting at crazy levels but also to some extent they deserve to pollute because the west has done their share of polluting we've progressed to a certain point we're first world countries now and so we're kind of pulling out the rug from underneath people by saying like oh we built our house but you can't do the same and there's also just this very strange almost western privilege idea that the world should just stop at a certain point because we've had enough it's all just pure arrogance it's based on this bizarre almost religious notion that the climate is something that we can fix but again as you said it's all political and it's going to go nowhere because i don't think people are going to believe that we're going to die in 12 years when 12 years ago we were told we're going to die and we're still here I mean the, the the constant national emergencies, the COVID now now they're you know they're weighing do, declaring a national emergency about climate change. It doesn't even make any sense, but you know, whatever. <laughs> but it's like you and I, if we just if we had some endeavor, if we started a business, if we ran for office and won, uh, we were the mayor of our town or whatever. You know, it's if and if everything we did failed, if everything we did made people's lives worse. If we opened up a business, we opened up a restaurant, it made everybody sick. You know what I mean? You open up some store that just screws people out of money. It's just everything fails and you fall flat on your face and you go bankrupt. It's like normal, reasonable people like you and I would be like, okay, why does everybody hate us? What went wrong? Obviously, we need to take a step back here, figure out what we did, and then recalibrate and try again. Yeah. And you are right. It is the religious nature of the Democrats' political worldview that they cannot and will not ever do that. Like, if they were smart, like, if if the DNC was smart, they'd be like, okay, we messed up. We we, we nominated and got elected a man with late-stage Alzheimer's who proceeded to destroy the global economy. Okay, like, we're involved, we're, we're prolonging this war in Ukraine for absolutely no reason, a war they can't win. Inflation is at they say over 9%. It's really probably something like 15 to 18% if you were measuring it by the same metrics we used in the 1970s. Nope. They, they, they tried the trans stuff, tried to chop every young boy's dick off coast to coast. That that went over like a Led Zeppelin. Okay? Like, that was just <laughs> like, they really, they really just shot their shot with that one. Didn't work. Nobody wants it. Now all the Hispanics are Republicans. Right? Okay? Like, they really messed up, and it, it was a complete failure. But they can't do it. They can't do it. They just have to like, okay, well, so what else can we destroy on the way out? Like, what? how can we bring this nation down with us? Like, they're burning their party to the ground. They're trying to take the rest of us with them. And it's like, man, I'm sitting here in my house in Toledo, Ohio. I'm like, man, can you guys just go away? Can you stop trying to hurt us? Just go away. You failed. Figure out what you did wrong. Try again in four years. They can't do it, though. 
they're gonna they're, they're gonna try to just destroy whatever's left of the West on the way out. And it's like, man, it's like what a selfish what a selfish worldview, man. Yep. Like like your your policies are destructive. They're making people poor. They're making people sick. They're dividing the nation. Can't you just can't you just go away just for just one time? Just give it a rest. Get, just give it a. I'm sure the Republicans will screw something else up in six or eight years, and then you'll have a chance to re- regain power again. They can't do it though. They're going to really try to do as much damage as they can on the way out. Well, I also think we should be blaming Biden personally for a lot of this because he's just obsessed with his legacy as president. Yep. Like, yes, he's geriatric. He's not capable of doing anything, but he is just obsessed with doing something major, and. That's what's driving him. He doesn't really care about the country. He doesn't really care about the people who elected him. He certainly doesn't care about the people who elected him because he was the most moderate choice. He's gone about as far left as as possible right now. He's just handed the keys to a bunch of people who want to drive the country off a cliff. Pete, you have to blame him personally because he took the responsibility to be the sensible voice in the room. Like We remember him running in 2020. He was pushing back against a lot of the more radical side of the Democratic Party. He lied to every single Democrat who voted for him. And I hope there's a lot of Democrats who are angry. I don't expect them to necessarily vote for a Republican because it depends on who the Republicans push. I think whether that's Trump or DeSantis or someone else is going to depend hugely on whether we win in 2024 or not. But the fact that he lied so blatantly in terms of ideology is, is disgusting, I think. And he just hasn't delivered on anything because he turned his back on every single one of his policies, not just the the little promises you make, like I'm going to make healthcare cheaper. He promised that he was going to be a moderate. People voted for him because they didn't want the Democratic Party to become what the Democratic Party has become in so short a time. I think that has been his biggest failing. That's the platform on which everything is based. Yeah, I mean, he he promised to end COVID, end the wars, and cure cancer. So... Yeah, I don't know why we haven't so thought about that. curing cancer before. Has no one thought about this? Yeah, we should no, try. Yeah, nobody's ever worried about that. I mean, cancer's no big deal, right? Goodness gracious. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, they, like <laughs> Joe Biden. It's it's we need new words that uh, <laughs> that encapsulate because it's not just overpromising or lying. I mean, it was just like yeah, just a few a spew of constant falsehoods from the campaign and the press for two years to get this old geriatric mentally handicapped man elected and it was just an absolute disaster yeah it's just these on the brights i mean there's always like and i hate doing this because it's like yeah you know this really sets republicans up great in the midterms and stuff like that it's like yeah man but the amount of damage done by say like shutting down the keystone xl pipeline you know ending Uh you know refusing we're going on what year three of refusing to grant any uh, any offshore, any new offshore drilling in the, in the Gulf or, or anywhere, or in Alaska or anywhere, um, it's like the, the the repercussions for that are going to be felt for a generation. I mean, this is like this is this isn't a game. I mean, these are not mistakes that are that are easily fixable, you know. And so and when they when they do these things, I you know, I don't know, man. It's I, I get it. Yeah, they're going to get shellacked. They're going to pay for it at the ballot box, but we're going to be paying for it with our bank yes. accounts for for decades. I mean, it's like, you know, political gain for the right. I, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather be able to afford food. You know what I mean? Well, I think that's the thing is a lot of politicians are looking at this as a great thing because they'll get in in 2022. But again, it's a very selfish way of looking at things. You hit the nail on the head and that there are long term generational consequences to these kind of mistakes. But also there's a downside. Let's say Republicans do take the House and the Senate in 2022, which is 
looking increasingly probable. Then the Democrats are going to spend two years saying, oh, well, we want to fix all these things, but it's the Republicans holding us up. Because that's really all Republicans have done in recent history is just stood in the way of Democrats and stopped them doing things. There aren't that many uh, Republicans or conservatives pushing actual positive legislation. A lot of it is just about hitting the gas, um, sorry, hitting the brake rather than the gas pedal. And, that's and so what that, you're seeing. That's, that's what almost you're seeing. handing them a weapon. Yeah, and I think that's what you're seeing too um, with the Senate polls. Like, it's it's almost certain. I mean, well, look, the GOP can mess anything up. The GOP, they're professionals <laughs> at grabbing defeat from the jaws of victory. But, uh, yeah, it's a near certainty that the GOP flips the House. I mean, I, I just I don't see it. I don't see any path to the Democrats keeping the House at this point. But, man, the Senate... It's going to be tough because GOP primary voters went right out and nominated the worst slate of candidates I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> and part of it's Trump's fault because he completely lost his ever-loving mind in terms of who he chose to endorse. Uh, talking Herschel Walker in Georgia, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. I mean, these like these trash candidates that are probably going to lose. You know, J.D. Vance is not a very strong candidate in Ohio. I still think he can win because Ohio is trending to the right. Uh, Tim Ryan's not a very good candidate. Although Vance is really struggling to raise money. He's only raising about a million bucks a month, which isn't going to cut it. Um, I don't know. Maybe Donald Trump could start writing some checks. <laughs> he put his money where his mouth is, but um, you know, he, he should be okay. But it's like we went out and yeah, it's just these like re- reactionary candidates. They're these celebrity candidates. You know, like it's like, dude, we don't need like Herschel Walker. Like he might be a nice guy. Who knows? He might end up being a great U S Senator, but it's like, dude, we don't need football players, man. Yeah, we need, we need people that actually understand economics. Like we are, we are heading towards another Great Depression here. We don't need guys that got paid to get concussions their entire lives. Okay, we need people. We need, we don't need Herschel Walker. We need freaking Warren G. Harding and Calvin Coolidge, right? People that are like, okay, we're going to slash the federal budget in half. Okay, like that's what will save the country. Not some football player. Not some fake TV doctor from New Jersey running in Pennsylvania for some reason. You know what I mean? It's like, man, any time, like, I have no confidence in GOP primary voters. Well, the primary, I've said this before, and I'll keep saying it. The primary system is stupid because it's a game that is completely unrelated to the sort of final game that you have to play. It's like two people playing a game of basketball to decide who's going to play someone at football. It makes no sense because the primary voters are focused on one thing. And their candidate is likely going to be more radical and less attractive to the people in the middle. And so then you get to an actual election and they're as far from each other as possible. It makes no sense. Obviously, other solutions have their problems, too. But the primary system is just, especially when you have dozens of candidates running, you often have the celebrity or the best known candidate come out on top. And that isn't always the best thing for the party or the country or the state or wherever they're running for. It's just in many ways a broken system that rewards really the wrong people yeah it's like you know because everybody knows you know i've taken so much heat for like trashing donald trump the last six months or so but like you know i, I voted for donald trump tri- twice i i endorsed him on the show and asked my listeners to vote for donald trump like i i literally i mean i i did what i could to get the man elected i literally changed votes from other people to donald trump with this podcast okay so don't don't, you know, criticize me of being insufficiently Republican or whatever. I'm actually doing the darn thing when you guys are just whining on Twitter. But it's like Donald Trump is like both the best and worst thing to happen to the GOP. Like he taught the GOP how to win 
for the first time in a while. I don't think anybody else could have beat Hillary Clinton in 2016. And then he taught the GOP how to lose. <laughs> okay, I don't think any other Republican could have lost to Joe Biden in 2020. I don't think many, you know, standard bearers of the Republican Party would endorse these bizarre celebrity candidates like Dr. Oz, like Herschel Walker. Now, these these guys are not like right wing or, or or conservative. They don't understand economics. I mean, Dr. Oz is like he endorsed like transgender surgeries for children and stuff like that. Like he's pro-choice. He's not. I mean, he doesn't understand like economic policy or foreign policy or anything. I mean, it's like. So it's like, man, you live by the Trump and die by the Trump, I suppose. I mean, it's like I, that these these GOP voters, like you can love Trump as much as you want. You can appreciate all the good things Trump did. If he endorses some jackass, you don't have to vote for him just because Trump said so. Like, come on, guys, use your brains. Like, you're, you're an adult. You are, you are a responsible citizen. Act like it. I think this kind of wraps things into what we sp- uh, started speaking about, which is the idea that you can't be a revolutionary when you are also the establishment. And I think Trump as a candidate was in somewhat some ways the revolutionary because he was speaking out against the establishment. He was speaking out against the, you know, the Hillary Clinton empire, the family control, the way politics was going generally, the people's feeling of rejection. But once you've won, you can't play the victim anymore. You can't play from behind. You can't act as if you're still pushing back when you're in control. You actually have to do things with that power. I think that was Trump's mistake is that I think he was great in many ways. I think some of the things he did as president were unprecedented and things you and I could never have predicted. But it was the the personal element, which I think was the issue with Trump and that he kept complaining. And even now, about 2020, he just keeps complaining. And you can't be a winner and complain. I think he, he wasn't as negative when he was a candidate because he was going after people. Now it's it's complaining about his own losses. And I think people just aren't attracted to that. And that's the thing. And like in Trump's defenders will say, well, you know, he has a point like the FBI was after him, the deep state, the entire government was working against him. His own staff was working against him. I agree, man. I get it. Like, that's true. The deep state is disgusting. Yeah. Far more than I, 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 like, dude, like I'm an anarchist. You don't need me. You, you don't need me. You don't need to convince me that to not like the United States federal government. Okay, I've been there for a long time, ladies and gentlemen. I'm with you. Trust me. I'm further. I'm way past you. I'm a lot more radical than you are, Trump supporter. <laughs> so, like, I, I get it, man. Like, the entire government was working against them. It wasn't fair. The press rigs elections. They lie with impunity. I get that. I, I'm with you. But, but, does your boss? tolerate you complaining like a child 24-7? Because here's the deal. We are Trump's boss. He's a politician. He's a public servant. When he's in office, he works for us. I am his boss, okay? And if you can't go to work and whine to your boss about how hard your job is, why would you allow that from your employee, the president of the United States? It's it's so bizarre, man. Like, no, no job on earth can you just whine the the way whine to your boss the way Trump does, and and expect not to get fired, you know what I mean? And it's like you 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 and I would never be able to get away with that, but for some reason people give Trump a pass, and it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Like I, I'm a grown man, dude. I I do not like whiners. I don't like complaints. You know, like do something about it. Like be a man, do something about it. Don't whine after the fact. You know, like it's well, it's just a bad look, man. Well, don't whine about Fauci when you could fire him any moment you wanted. Exactly. Like, don't whine about all these people. Don't whine about the deep state, about the fact the FBI is. Well, fire every single one of them then. It's, it's within your power. It's, it was always this threat of. I honestly feel that I think 
Trump's biggest strength and his biggest weakness in many ways was coming in as a candidate. He said a lot of true things about the establishment, but he was stuck in that mindset of not being actually in control of it. And once you come in, he should have just cleaned house. The fact that any administration works with employees from the previous administration is just insane to me. Would you do that, honestly, if you had a, if you were running any kind of political system and a bunch of your employees worked for the guy you competed against? You think you'd, they'd stick around? Of course not. And the fact that they are allowed to is, is really a failing of whoever comes in. Trump's big thing was you're fired. And yet he didn't really fire anyone. Didn't it's fire anybody. unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't fire anybody. And like the, the people that really want the friends of mine who really want Trump to be the nominee in 2024, they're like, oh, well, you know, like he's learned his lesson. Like he obviously learned that, you know, he needs to clean house and fire the head of the FBI and do all this stuff and, and all that. And it's like, what would lead you to believe that that is true? Yeah. Is he crushing it with the endorsements? <laughs> is he really killing it? Just endorsing like the most conservative, most effective, most intelligent, most equipped candidates? No. Uh, has he matured personally? Has he moved on? Is it, you know, has he stopped complaining about January 6th and, and the 2020 election and focused on what really matters, defeating Joe Biden? Well, no. Uh, he's constantly talking about the 2020 election. That's basically the only thing he cares about. So it's like, I, I hear this from, from a lot of pundits, you know, guys that you know, too. And like, I'm like, dude, I, I don't know why you think that that's true. Like, if Trump had given us evidence to this point that that was true, I'd listen to that argument. But the evidence just isn't there. If Trump came out and stopped talking about 2020 and kind of said, yep, we lost. I want to move on. I want to focus on this, this and this. I would be very much in favor of him. I think he did a lot of great things. But his obsession with 2020 is what will likely put a lot of moderate voters off when it comes to if, say, Trump versus Biden again. It's like, yeah, well, Biden sucks, but I remember how much I didn't like Trump before. And all he's done is spent four years complaining about losing. Yeah. People, yep. I, I think people incorrectly hate Trump. I think they hate him for the wrong reasons. I think there's, there's a lot of media manipulation going on. But the fact is that people hated Trump. Republicans loved him, but Democrats hated Trump. And hate motivates people to vote a lot more than love. In 2016, the Democrats had an opportunity and this is people are going to laugh at me because of this but in, in 2016 they had an opportunity people don't remember this because she made such a mockery of herself in subsequent years but elizabeth warren was like the rising star of the democratic party in 2016 mm -hmm. um this is kind of before she lost her mind before she went all in on like <laughs> you know claiming to be an indian and stuff like that like all this crazy nonsense like they could have nominated her now, she didn't. She didn't even run because she didn't want to, you know, go up against Hillary Clinton. Obviously, the Clinton machine um, would have ruined her and, and stuff like that. So she was smart enough not to get in. But she would have won. You know what I mean? Like, she was kind of this unknown senator, super leftist, but, you know, better at, like, didn't sound as insane as Bernie Sanders, that kind of thing. And she probably would have beaten Trump. And I feel like we have a similar opportunity with Ron DeSantis. And mm -hmm. Ron DeSantis is much more talented than Elizabeth Warren. He's not going to claim to be a different race. He's not going to, you know, like completely <laughs> lose his mind and stuff like that. But, like, I believe this is Ron DeSantis' moment. And if you if Republican voters pass on that, there's no guarantee that he's still going to be relevant in four years. You just never yeah. know. Like, I think he's a good man. He seems like an honorable man. It doesn't seem like there's any skeletons in his closet. 
but he's a politician. I mean, he could do something down in Florida that just pisses off the GOP base, okay? Or the, the press could make up some lie about him and bring him down. You know, there could be anything. They could go after his family. I mean, they, like, you just never know if he's still going to be politically relevant. And you got to strike when the iron's hot. And I know there, there's not a Democrat on this earth that could beat Ron DeSantis right now. There's a lot of Democrats who could beat Trump. And Trump could win. I mean, like, I'm not saying, like, Trump can't beat Biden. Like, he can. But it would just be so much easier. It'd be yeah. so much easier with a Ron DeSantis. Well, also because Ron DeSantis can stand with Florida as his platform and say, right. yeah, why do you think everyone's moving here? It's like, it's like the ultimate winning argument. You don't, almost don't need a debate. It's like, okay, G- Gavin Newsom, everyone's fleeing your state, dude. Like, and you want to make America like California? Everyone wants to be like Florida. That's why people are fleeing New York, Illinois, California, all these states, and they're going to Florida. They're going to Texas. Like, make America like Florida would be something that most people would be in favor of. I know we're over time, so I have to let you go. But one, I saw a tweet that made you and I and a bunch of our friends laugh the other day. Um, apparently, it's not just Ron DeSantis who thinks they can be the next uh, GOP nominee for president. Apparently, Nikki Haley's still around somewhere, uh, just being irrelevant politically. She she was giving some speech where uh, talking about how like Biden can do whatever she want he wants, but the next president, meaning her, would uh, you know would would rip up you know, his unconstitutional orders with her bare hands or something like that. And it's like, lady, I I just don't get... Like, Tom Cotton is talking about how he wants to run for president. Mike Pompeo. It's like, guys, what are we doing? Like, what, what, are, we, what are we doing? Like, that's such a bizarre... Like, what, I, I get it that paid consultants can tell you anything. They can, they can make a, you know, a reason to keep paying them and make it very elo- eloquently, no matter who you are or how you're polling. But it's like... The 2024 race on the GOP side is going to be between Trump and DeSantis. That's it. Yeah, like Mike Pence it's, it's is over. not going to be the guy. Like it's like Nikki Haley. Come on, maybe you had your chance like six years ago, but it's it's just over. It's like it is bizarre that some of these Republicans like are just totally delusional. Well, I think you have to be somewhat delusional to be narcissistic enough to want to be in politics generally. That's but with, with with Nikki Haley, the issue was I think she was like a decent candidate a while ago, but she tried to play both sides of the card and that she criticized Trump and then celebrated him, I think, within the same week. And <laughs> yeah. it's fine for you and I to do that because we're commentators. We're not running for office. We're, we don't, we're not living and dying by the number of votes we have. Some people will agree with us. Some people will disagree. It's interesting. But in politics, you can't speak out against Trump the way she did and then support him so quickly afterwards. It makes you look like a flip-flopper. And we can't criticize someone like Biden for being a flip-flopper when you do exactly the same thing based on how the wind is blowing. At least do it well. And so I think Nikki Haley did lose some credibility with that moment. I think she hasn't really done anything to recover from it either. It's one thing if you're a governor or a congresswoman or, or something where you're like rebuilding your CV a little bit. But nothing's happened in that time. And so doing kind of a cringe Hillary Clinton tweet about the f- being the future president, it's like, well... <laughs> Okay, I, I, I don't really get it. So I, I'd be more than happy for you to run. I think she'd be a decent candidate in a lot of ways. But it has to be based on something, not just the fact I want to run, therefore I'm going to win. And you've got to, in the same way as Trump, you've got to repair the damage that's been done in the past. You can't just assume people are dumb enough to forget because people will not forget, especially this recently. And I I, I like vigorous primaries. Like I, I, I want everybody to get in who thinks that they're qualified to be president just duke it out 
You know what I mean? And a lot of good can come of that. I mean, uh, Ron Paul running for president in 08 and 2012 mainstreamed a lot of libertarian ideas, at least on the Republican side of the aisle. Uh, and, and even on, on the left as well. I mean, just he his profile brought a lot of these, you know, like ending the Federal Reserve and things like that mm-hmm. into the mainstream when they were not remotely mainstream before. So it's like a lot of a lot of good can come from primaries. The only thing is Trump Trump just can't do that because all he's going to do is insult these people personally. Mm-hmm. Like he's not going to debate like it was all like, you know, Marco Rubio has small has a small dick, you know, and Ted Cruz is the is a is a serial is born in Canada and it's it's just like it's random and his wife's ugly. I mean it's like it's crazy it's like it's crazy. Like he's like if he could just like be an adult, be mature and debate actual policies, like I would be sincerely looking forward to like another Republican primary because I think like the grounds ripe for new ideas. Mm-hmm. Like I think like these guys can come in like dude, freaking Rand Paul and Mike Pompeo, opposite ends of foreign policy, come in and debate it. Debate it. Like, that's great. That's good for the country. But, like, I just, I'm, I'm afraid that Trump will just go petty, he'll go childish, and, like, nothing will be accomplished except for, like, destroying promising Republican candidates for the future. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's, like, worst-case scenario what could happen. Well, also remember that moderates are watching the Republican primaries, too, and that it's reminding people of what they disliked in the first place, which is the, you know, the Twitter Trump. I think policy Trump and President Trump were fantastic. It was Twitter Trump that was the issue for a lot of people. And when you get months of Twitter Trump reminding everyone of why they voted for Biden in the first place, people will start to forget things like the gas price being so high because people are not rational when it comes to emotions like just personal likes and dislikes for people. It's very easy to forget how horrendous things are right now. And the Democrats will pivot on that because they will just focus on Trump. It'll all be about stopping Trump. It doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter if we have to live in the street. We have to stop Trump. And we can just take that out from underneath them. If someone like Ron DeSantis runs, it's like, OK, well, what are you going to do now? They, it will force them to stand on what they've done in the last couple of years in, in a way that Trump won't have to because Trump has run in the past. Trump has held office in the past. And so he has a record that people dislike to run against. DeSantis has COVID Florida to run against, which is perhaps the best platform you can possibly have in recent memory. We do have a clear cut. We're going to have clear cut evidence on Trump's effect after the midterms this year, because Mm -hmm. what Democrats have done is promote campaign for and fund Trump endorsed candidates. Right. So you saw the the the. Uh, like a very Trumpy, like MAGA Republican won the uh, gubernatorial primary in Maryland, right? And it was like basically on the backs of a whole bunch of like Democrat super PAC money promoting him. So they're trying to get all these people that like, you know, talk about January 6th all the time and, and stop the steal and all that. And they're trying to get those Republicans to win these primaries so they can run against them and just branding them like Trump. So we'll see if the Democrats are right. You know, like they've manipulated... Republican primary voters uh, into to, into nominating these people, and we'll see. I mean, maybe the maybe it'll blow up in the Democrats' face, and all these Trump Republicans will win, um, or maybe not. And so, but either way, we'll be able to sit back, you know, a- after the election in November and kind of look at, okay, like is like is Trump good for us electorally, or is he toxic? Like, we will have some evidence finally, because, I mean, there's just no way to know right now. Yeah. Like, there's not enough polling going on, but, I mean, we're going to find out. We're going to find out quick. And, I mean, obviously, it would be wonderful if 
you know, the Democrats' plans blow up in their face like they so often do. And you get a whole bunch of, like, Donald Trump clones just torturing them for the next four years. Like, that would be hilarious. <laughs> but, like, I mean, we'll see, man. Like, we'll, we'll find out. We are really going to get a lot of information after these midterms. Yes, it's really they're going to be the first bell whether we have uh, any of this. It's all theoretical up until that point, isn't it? And so gross, though, the way money plays such a huge part. Just to touch on this, I know this is something we could spend an entire podcast on, but the fact that Democrats can pour millions of dollars into candidates they hate says something pretty strange about our system. Yeah, I'm not saying that that should be illegal, you know. I mean, like, political donations are speech. Honestly, I'm, I'm like, I, I kind of believe that all, like, campaign finance laws are unconstitutional, and they probably are unconstitutional. But, like, it's still wrong. Like, what? you know what I mean? Like, Republicans aren't out doing that, like, meddling in Democrat primaries. Like, we kind of just let them duke it out amongst themselves and then deal with whoever they, you know, try to go after whoever they put forward, you know? And I think that's a much more, like, respectful, reasonable way to do it. But, I mean, these are Democrats. These are Democrats yeah, we're talking so about, Ian. It's just all also gross. And also just the fact that so many people raise a ton of money knowing they're not going to win, like the Beto O'Rourke's of the world. Where right. does all that money go? Hey, I mean, don't send it to Ohio to help Tim Ryan. I mean, hey, keep sending your money to <laughs> Beto O'Rourke, dude. Like, I Fine by me, man. Just uh, don't spend it up here. <laughs> Ian, my brother, uh, thanks for doing this, man. We'll do it again soon. Where can everybody uh, subscribe to your Substack, which I highly recommend, and follow you online and all that good stuff. Yeah, thanks for having me as always. Um, you can follow me on my Substack. It's I-A-N-H-A-W-O-R-T-H dot Substack dot com. Or you can find me on all social media at I-G-H-A-W-O-R-T-H. And I post all my Substacks there. I also have a new show coming out in a couple of weeks. So I'll have to come back and talk more about that um, nearer the time. Absolutely. Can't wait, man. Everybody follow Ian. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks. Oh, 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 o